Welcome to Smash Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! Yeah! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Interrupted. Today, we will be talking about superconductors and what makes robots so great and Phil so bad. I think we will have a lot of fun together on the show. So, let's not waste any more time and get into today's program. Well, it all started back in Japan. Oh no. Hey, Mesh. Bill? Bill? What are you doing? I need to talk to you. No, you don't need to talk to me. Are you trying to record a show? Dude, I'm going to record a show. Come on, move over. This is... Move over. Some B... Come on, I can't believe you're in here trying to steal a show. All right, well, look. Well, we're not going to talk about whatever it is you're going to talk about. We're going to talk about my topic for today. But, Phil, my topic is so good. I'm sure whatever it is, it's not good. I don't want to talk about it. I have. A, I can't believe you snuck in here to start a. Sh- did you already do an intro? Affirmative. Of course you did. All right. Well, whatever. I'm not gonna redo it. I guess I already heard an intro. Idiot. You're the idiot. Are you seriously gonna start this right now? I find you in the studio starting a show, and you want to start stuff with me. Affirmative. Fine. Then we'll have at it. So I don't care what you were doing for your show. I have kind of a fun topic that I was going to come down here and record in the studio. (sighs) To my surprise, you were here. But the show that I wanted to do is about a girl named Michelle Von Emster. Oh, wow. I love this story. So much mystery. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, There's a lot of mystery in this story. And uh, I guess we'll just get right into it because it's uh, it's a pretty, pretty wild little tale here. So on the night of April 14th in 1994, whew, I was 13 years old, a 25-year-old woman in San Diego died a horrific death. That's no laughing matter. This is a serious, true story. Now, I don't know if this is true crime. This is an unsolved mystery. I don't know if a crime occurred, and you'll listen. You'll find out what I'm talking about. This is one of those, like, unsolved mystery, perhaps crime accident. So, this girl, uh, 25-year-old girl, dies in 1994. At her last night alive, her name is Michelle Von Emster. Her last night alive, she planned on attending a Pink Floyd concert with her roommate. Her roommate has a great name, Coco Campbell, right? Coco. Coco Pebbles. So, the band that they were going to see was actually Pink Floyd, which just said, and... These buffoons, Michelle and Coco, bought tickets for the wrong night. 
So they went to the show thinking they're going to get in, and they got turned away. I guess they, like I said, I think they had the wrong night. Whoopsie daisies. So they're bummed out, and they start driving back to their Ocean Beach neighborhood. And I believe this is in kind of like a rundown area of San Diego. I can't remember. I've heard the neighborhood has like a like a name like Hell's House or something like that. It's kind of like, um, you know, like Skid Row in Los Angeles. I think it's kind of like the, the slummy drug kind of area with cheap rent and stuff. And apparently this girl, Michelle Von Emster, was very artsy and she was very smart by all accounts and she'd been doing odd jobs and whatnot, and she had sort of, like, her life had kind of been, like, dwindling downhill a bit, so that she was now kind of living in this low-class area. She actually suffered from cancer. She had some sort of a cancer and had to go through treatment and all that and recovered, but, I mean, that's got to be tough for someone who's only 25 years old. So, she's you know, she's had some hard times, for sure. But she just wanted to go to a Pink Floyd show... And uh, she gets turned away. So she's heading back to their their Ocean Beach neighborhood. And Michelle asks her roommate, Coco, to drop her off at the pier, which is about six blocks away from the two-bedroom apartment that they share. Now, you can't help but think how much differently this girl's life could have been if they had had the right tickets. You know, so maybe they go to the show and none of what we're going to talk about ever ends up happening. We don't need no... Dark control. Oh, Jesus. Hey, Bill, leave those kids alone. Nobody wants to hear that, man. They do. No, they don't. Stop interrupting. So it was around 8 p.m. when Coco dropped Michelle off at the pier by the ocean, and she is actually the last person known to see her alive. She said that Michelle was wearing a green trench coat at the time. She doesn't recall what kind of actual clothes, but she had one of those big-ass green trench coats. And they think, you know, it, Michelle was probably bummed out about the concert. You know, she wanted to go see it, and the night was pretty much a bust, right? So she, she didn't feel like going home. You know, she wanted to do something else. But really, what what would you be planning on doing like, down by the ocean at night. Maybe she took a walk. Maybe she just blow off some steam. She's pissed, you know? Take a nighttime swim. Well, I don't know about that because it was super cold out. I think the air temperature was only hovering in the high 50s, maybe around 60. And the water, which, again, we'll get to, was only, like, 57 degrees or something. That is really cold. That's not like, oh, just take a little dip, you know? So here's what ended up happening. Michelle's body was discovered the next morning, just a few hundred yards offshore, floating in kelp beds. So it's in San Diego, Pacific Ocean. Lots of kelp grows out there. Lots of kelp. So much kelp. So much. So much. And these, a group of seagulls were standing on something, and it caught the attention of some nearby surfers. So one of the 20-year-old surfers out there, his name was David, and he said it was a couple hours ahead of sunset, and there were birds just standing out there. Maybe a half a dozen of them roosting and pecking on something. They were roosting. So curiosity got the better of them, and David called out to the only other surfer that was in the area and said, Hey, come on over here. What is this? And the two surfers, they paddled over, and the seagulls, you know, scattered on their approach, and they took a look at what the birds had been using as a perch, 
And they took about a moment, and I think realization hit in, and then they quickly turned and paddled into shore to make a report. Must have been absolutely traumatizing. They found a victim floating face down. It was a woman. And except for a few bracelets, rings, a butterfly tattoo, she was nude. Hmm. Nude? Yeah, she was nude. That would be shocking to see. Maybe. Would you stop being disrespectful? You've never seen that before. I know. Say stuff like that. So yeah, she was nude. I think that's definitely a major factor in this story. Very strange, right? There was not a scrap of ID or any other clothing anywhere that was recovered with the body. Hmm, mystery indeed. Now, we're really going to get into some pretty wild graphic stuff here, right? This is what happened to Michelle's body. Her right leg was missing from the thigh down. What? Yeah. Her leg was gone. In addition, Von Emster suffered a broken neck. What? Broken ribs. What? A broken pelvis. What? And various scrapes and contusions on her face and torso. What? Would you stop? I can't get through any of this if you're going to be annoying. Please continue. Whatever. Alright, so that's some serious injuries. Again, a broken neck, broken ribs, broken pelvis, various scrapes and contusions on her face and torso, and there were large quantities of sand found in her mouth, throat, and stomach, esophagus, I mean, all up in there. The autopsy states that Michelle was alive when her injuries were inflicted, and that she would have had to have taken a large breath or a huge gulp of air, well, I guess it being water, A huge gulp for all the sand to end up inside of her. Hmm. So, her death was initially ruled an accidental death. And the cause listed was a probable shark attack. Like a sharknado? No, not like a sharknado. Sharknado. Oh, what a great song. Sorry, we just had to break into that. I Now, but because of the nature of the injuries, it was assumed that only a great white shark could have been responsible. And other post-mortem injuries were assumed to be the result of scavenging smaller blue sharks. So they first find this body, investigators. Holy hell, this girl's all messed up. And they're like, well, you know what? I mean, she's all ripped apart. It's got to be a shark, a shark attack here. And it's probably... A big shark. So again, the official verdict said that this was a accidental death. And that she drowned in the aftermath of a great white shark attack. Case closed. Right? They're done. Law enforcement followed suit and the ruling of shark attack closed their books. So everyone's done with it. We don't need to worry about this anymore. Easy, open and shut case. Unfortunate incident. But a community of white shark experts and shark behaviorists... They refuted the autopsy findings for a lack of proof. They're like, hey, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, they said that there was no evidence of a white shark attack, and there was no evidence that a white shark had even been within 50 miles, perhaps, of the girl. There was no particularly large puncture wounds like you would see in photos of great white victims. There was no telltale tooth or teeth left behind, as often happens in great white shark attacks. The leg that was largely missing was not taken off clean. And that is typical in a great white shark attack. They bite and it's so sharp and so strong. It just, it's like a clean break, basically. 
And this was not that way. It was really weird. What remained of Michelle's missing leg was a bone that was um it was it was described as being whittled. I wasn't familiar with this term, but it basically it comes to a point almost like it's been like sharpened, like if you were, you know, like making like a like a like cutting down a piece of wood and like kind of like chiseling it and sharpening it to a, a, a very sharp point. So that's kind of what her bone was like, which is strange. I mean, it doesn't seem typical for a great white shark attack. And the bite pattern was not seen in attacks by this species, okay? And only a great white shark, they said, would be strong enough to take a human leg off in one bite. Additionally, the great white shark attacks on humans are exceedingly rare in San Diego. There are only two documented fatalities in almost a century, and even one of the actual incidents in 1959, the death of Robert Paperin, is sometimes seen as suspicious since nobody was recovered and there was only one witness. So maybe you could discount that one. Now we're down to just only one documented fatality in the last century in San Diego. So needless to say, the authorities maybe um, didn't really have a lot of experience with shark attacks. Wow. I would be so scared. Sharks don't eat robots. Why would a shark eat a robot? Just please be quiet. But with all of their science and their expertise, the shark authorities couldn't prove that it had been anything else other than a shark attack. They said, no, this is not one. But yeah, we're not really sure. So shark authorities refused to list Michelle Von Emster's Fatality in any of the accredited record-keeping institutions, such as the Shark Research Committee or the International Shark Attack File. That's got a great name. The International Shark Attack File. Case closed. Put it in the International Shark Attack Files. Oh, God. The International Shark no. Files, Smash. <laughs> no. So cheesy. Now, three days after the recovery of Michelle's body, there was a shark expert named Ralph Collier. This guy is he's the best. He's the best of the best. And he was quoted in the San Diego Union Tribune as saying that on the basis of preliminary reports, the shark attack diagnosis is probably valid. But that was before he had seen the actual remains of the leg bone. He hadn't even seen it. So once he saw this, it was all the evidence that he needed to change his mind about what had killed Michelle Von Emster. And this is what Collier, this expert, said. One of the things that struck me was the condition of the limb. When a white shark bites off part of the limb, the break is clean, almost like you would put it on a table saw. What remained of Michelle's femur was anything but. It looked like what happens when you get a piece of bamboo and whittle it down to a point with a knife. The bone came to a point. This type of injury is caused when a bone is twisted under a great deal of force. For example, a boat's propeller could have caused such an injury, but not a shark bite. I've looked at close to 100 photos of cases that I have reviewed over the years, and I have never seen any bones that come to a point. Like I said, this Collier guy is recognized internationally as the leading authority on Pacific Coast white shark behavior and ecology. 
Now, I always thought they were just called great white sharks, but suddenly everybody in these articles I'm reading are referring to them as white sharks. Did we add on the great white shark to make it sound cooler? I don't know what happened here. I always thought it was a great white shark. It's a damn great white shark. Yeah, it's a damn great white shark. Bell. That's what I'm saying, Smash. Thank you for agreeing with me for once. What? And something else in the autopsy report bothered Collier. Sand, this is his words here. Sand was found in her mouth, in her throat, in her nasal passages, her lungs, and in her stomach. For all of this to have happened in accordance with the autopsy findings, the shark would have had to have grabbed Michelle and pushed her face first into the ocean bottom in order for her to have ingested all of this material. White sharks don't do that. He continues, In order for sand to have gotten into her lungs, she would have had to have been alive, which would have been impossible if a white shark had indeed bitten her leg off. The damage would have been severe, and her femoral artery would have bled out very quickly. But for her to have sand in her stomach, she had to have taken a big gulping breath as she made contact with the sand. He also noted numerous cuts and bruisings that she had, and stated she likewise would have received those injuries while she was still alive. Now the last straw was the complete absence of any white shark tooth impressions along the many bite marks visible on Von Emster's torso. Collier said that the white shark fangs leave specific and easily identifiable impressions. We can even determine the size of the shark from the tooth impression, he said, and there was no such tooth impressions anywhere on Michelle's body from a white shark. This is not great white shark behavior. Wait, now he's going back to saying great white? What's going on here? Anyway, he said it's not their behavior to hunt at night. White sharks, back to white sharks, have, I'm going to stop with that, have yes, light. Yes, please. I said I'm going to stop. White sharks have light activated retinas. So they come up from the bottom and they aim at the silhouette of a seal in daylight. The other injuries could have been done by blue sharks, but blue sharks generally favor deeper water than where the body was found. Von Emster's body was recovered in only about 10 feet of water. The smoking gun, Collier again admits, would have been to find a white shark tooth broken off somewhere in the body. There wasn't. There are too many things in this case that are not consistent with white shark behavior. So we have the expert chiming in here. He's essentially saying it's like no other case I've seen before. And he doesn't think that this is a great white shark attack you could pretty plainly read that from from those statements i don't think he's buying it he agrees that it's possible that sharks could have fed on her body after whatever happened to her doesn't seem like he thinks that the shark actually caused the death now this is kind of interesting the initial medical examiner admitted by his his own admission here that he had never seen a shark attack or shark fatality, actually, during his time in San Diego. Nor had anyone else working on the investigative teams witnessed anything like this, because, like I said before, there's only been, like, one or two reported cases in San Diego in the last century. So, it's a bit shady that your medical examiner has no experience with a shark attack. So you would think it would be kind of difficult, maybe, for him to, you know, diagnose this as his, his cause of death. But to his uh, credit, he did reach out to a bunch of different shark experts and this Collier guy, and they told him, you know, it, doesn't, it looks a little shady to me. 
So here's some other interesting facts about it. The records show that the air temperature was 57 degrees. Okay, so initially I said, you know, upper 50s, and that was correct. And that the water temperature was hovering around the 59 degree mark. Very cold. That's very cold. The tide was high, and the incoming surge generated three-foot waves that would have been smacking the coastline. She'd say she was there for a swim or something. The sky was overcast, and there it blocked out the moon, so it would be very dark. Uh, the sea would have been incredibly, incredibly black, and for boating, if Von Emster had decided to go for a swim all alone and naked, going for a skinny dip, doesn't seem to add up, I don't think. There was not a single witness to this event, but this is what the medical examiner thought. He said she went for a late night swim and she got attacked by a shark, right? That's what he's thinking. So there was a slight amount of wrinkling on her fingers, which would indicate some time in the water. It wasn't a lot, a lot of wrinklage. You would think that there would be a lot more if she had been in the water longer, but that's because perhaps she died. And I guess the skin won't continue to wrinkle when you're dead. I don't know. For some reason, the investigators stuck with this time. They think that Michelle von Amster went into the water around midnight. But again, there was really no witnesses to this, so this is kind of speculation, I think, at best. How do they know she went in at midnight or when she got dropped off at 8 o'clock? Maybe she went in the water then? Or maybe she just, you know, like, fell asleep on the beach and went in in the morning? How do they really know? I don't know. It seems um, a bit suspicious to give it like a, it happened at midnight. I don't know. They're the investigators, so I guess I'll just have to digress and maybe take their word for it, but a lot of speculation added in here by investigators. Well, yeah, something isn't adding up. I agree with you, actually. Something doesn't sound quite right with this. What? Jesus. Jesus. Would you stop? Michelle's body was found about uh, half a mile south of where her purse was found on the beach. And there were reports at first of the purse having been found at Sunset Cliffs. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But police reports say that a local found Michelle's purse at around 11 p.m. on Friday, April 15th. Okay. Now, this person had been flashlight walking around the seawall and his beam picked up a purse sitting on the sand at the base of the wall. He turned it over to authorities on Sunday after he realized what he had found. It was, you know, stealing purses. And then he found out it was a deceased girl. So I guess he was like, whoops, I better let the authorities know. The contents in the purse were as follows. There was her driver's license, some keys, a pack of cigarettes, a pay stub, and a few items of makeup. Inside was also a fanny pack. 1994, 1994... Alert. Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Alert. Indeed, a fanny pack. 1994. And inside of that very fanny pack was $27 in cash. And it was still there. Now, you would think that somebody would have stolen it, perhaps, if it was sitting out there for a full day. Because this strip of beach is heavily used. It's a popular area, okay? And if Michelle had stashed it there and went for a swim, let's say, after 8 o'clock or midnight... Um, then the purse would have sat out there in plain view all day Friday, and this dude picked it up at, like, 11 p.m. that day. But all the money was in it, nothing was taken, which leads you to believe that probably nobody touched it, or at least honest people touched it and didn't steal from it. 
Now, none of Michelle's clothing was recovered by authorities. At all. Like, Zippo, Zilch, Nada. The green trench coat was never found, and whatever she had on underneath just disappeared. I think that's important, frankly. Where the hell did her clothes go? I, if she was taking them off to go in for a swim, she probably would have put them in an area where she can find them when she's done skinny dipping, right? That's what you or I would do. Well, that's what I do. Just stop. Nothing you say ever makes any sense. So there's no rational explanation for why the body was naked, okay? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. So let's go into some theories, okay? One of the leading theories was that this guy, Edwin Decker, had something to do with it. He had a short-lived romantic encounter with Michelle just two nights before her body was found. This is kind of a weird story. He apparently had a kind of a thing for her, and I don't know if she did or not. I guess I guess she did a little bit. And they were at some bar or something, and they left to go have some more private time, right? And the story goes like this, that there's a bartender or bouncer dude, and he, like raced home and kind of like was like a cock block kind of thing and he was like crying and flipping out saying that he had just been fired from his job and he was upset and I guess he wanted to like drink with them and stuff and you know they're trying to get some alone time and this dude is being a third wheel he's being a pain in the ass and so they they're kissing and they're groping this guy apparently passed out and left him alone so now they could get in some make out time and this Edwin Decker guy says that that's all that happened and she ended up leaving, and then he never saw her again. He kept waiting for a phone call from her, and then he saw the news that someone had been attacked by a shark. And it was big news in San Diego, and it ended up coming out. Obviously, he found out that it was Michelle, the girl that he had made out with, that he liked, and he's kind of a weird dude from all accounts, and this is really, really strange. Like You can't even make this up. He was an artsy dude, which I guess is why Michelle and him got kind of got together. And he penned this mysterious, morbid poem about Michelle after her death, and it was titled Shark Attack. And it was later published in a collection of his poetry titled Barzilla and Other Psalms. I don't even know what that word is. P-S-A-L-M-S. Come on. I don't know it and I don't care smash anyway listen to this ridiculous ridiculous poem and now a dramatic reading the reports say there was a tattoo a butterfly on her shoulder which I remembered that night on my couch when I like the shark, chewed on her lips and took off her shirt. What? What? I know, right? What is that? That is such a bizarre poem to write after a girl you like got eaten by a shark. It's insane. I remember that night when on my couch, like the shark, I chewed on her lips and took off her shirt. That is so uncompassionate, right? Maybe, what a weirdo. So, I mean, immediately that 
sent out red flags and people were like, psycho, psycho. And they wanted to figure out what this loser was talking about. But apparently, okay, through the investigation that he was pretty much cleared. Like, I guess he couldn't have done it. Maybe he was doing something that night or like alibi. But he didn't do it, I guess. They put like a, a lot of unnecessary speculation on him if he had nothing to do with it. Like, what a weirdo. Just don't do that. Yeah, apparently this guy was all about like helping in the investigation later. Which I guess sometimes can be a sign of a killer, but I guess not in this one. He was just trying to help out. Another potential suspect that was revealed was a co-worker at an office supply store where Michelle had previously worked. Saw a man making several photocopies of the original autopsy report shortly after the investigation was concluded. How did he get this, right? How does he have it? This co-worker claimed that the man drove a motorcycle. And apparently, Michelle had complained when she used to work there about a stalker that she had that also owned a motorcycle. I don't know. There's not a lot of info there to base anything off of. But it is a little weird that this guy had photocopies of her autopsy report. Like, how did he even get him? Who was he? Mysterious motorcycle man. Is suspect number two, I guess. Now listen to this. At the urging of Edwin Decker, our weird poem guy, he and journalists kept urging and urging them to look at Michelle's autopsy reports again and and maybe, you know, try to dig deeper into this. And in 2008, a new medical examiner looked at it, right? So he checked it out, and he concluded that there seemed to be some questionable evidence, but not enough to justify amending her death certificate. Damn it. So... He checked it out at least, but I guess there just wasn't enough evidence either way. He goes, I don't know. So again, let's dive into some more theories here. I guess it's possible that Michelle was indeed attacked by a shark. Be it a great white shark, these blue sharks, many sharks, lots of sharks. A sharknado. A sharknado. There was a lot of things, a lot of sharks attacking her, and she died via that. Although, it let me let me go back here in my notes and find her injuries. If she was attacked by sharks, why would she have a broken pelvis? I don't... That seems strange to me. A broken neck, broken ribs, and a broken pelvis. I don't feel like that really adds up with a shark attack. I mean, I, I know sharks can be very strong, and I guess they could shake you around, like whip you a little bit. It seems like really drastic injuries for just a shark attack and obviously she lost her leg that I could see from a shark attack that makes sense to me so I don't know I don't give too much credit into her actually being initially killed by a shark in my opinion Uh, another theory here is that Michelle either jumped or fell off the sunset cliffs this is an area in San Diego that is very popular for taking obviously sunset photos over the ocean it's a really big cliff and it's made of like a sandstone so it's loose and there's all sorts of signs that say stay back warning loose ground you'll fall you'll die and apparently annually a lot of people do die on these cliffs because they get too close to the edge and the ground gives way and they fall down into the ocean below that's very very rocky okay so it's a dangerous area Some people believe that she either jumped, like I said, or fell 
off these cliffs. Maybe she was up there. Which doesn't make sense because her purse was down by the beach. And you can't fall off a cliff and then be down by the beach like it doesn't make sense why you would leave stuff down there, climb up a cliff to jump off. I'm just throwing out weird, playing devil's advocate here. And and hide your clothes too, right? So again, maybe she fell off the cliff and she was injured, okay? And then sharks ate her. Okay, maybe that you know, a fall would explain the broken bones, the broken pelvis, the broken ribs, the scrapes. That would make sense from a fall, right? You'd be really messed up. That I get. Uh, another possibility is that she went for a late night swim, naked, skinny dipping. She got hit by a boat. You certainly would not expect to see somebody swimming in the middle of the night in really cold temperatures. So I could definitely see somebody driving a boat, hit something with and not think anything of it and keep going. And maybe she got caught up in the propellers. She got hit by a boat. Apparently people who get hit by boats, I was reading about this. This is pretty pretty messed up. When you get hit by a boat, it really messes you up. And it can definitely break bones. There's definitely been cases where people have had broken pelvises from being smashed by a boat, boating accident. So that can happen. So that kind of explains some of these injuries, possibly. And the leg being chopped off in the manner that it was at a point, again, is fairly consistent. I say fairly because it's not 100% conclusive, but it's fairly consistent with a boating accident. Okay, maybe the propellers or something. So I guess it's possible that she was hit by a boat and then later some sharks... I don't know, maybe some fish or something, started nibbling at her remaining body, pulling off chunks and whatnot. You know, it's a free meal for them. Or another possibility, that Michelle was murdered. Okay? Maybe it was by this uh, this weirdo love interest guy, Edwin Decker, or an unnamed stalker, the motorcycle guy. I am going to go out on a limb and say that it's probably neither of them. The weird poem guy, Decker, was basically cleared by police. He was such an obvious suspect with him seeing her only a couple nights before and saying that they made out and stuff. Hey, maybe she, you know, rebuffed him. She did not want to make out. She stopped him and left, and he was pissed and wanted to kill her. Again... Police did their investigation and I guess concluded that it was not possible. So we're going to say Decker didn't do it, even though he's totally, totally a freaking sick weirdo who writes bad poems. I don't know who this unnamed stalker is with the motorcycle. We have nothing to go off of this other than a co-worker saying she complained about it. So not a lot to work with there. I'm just going to have to discount that because without further information... There's no way to know or verify any of that. Can I just say, you're doing such a good job breaking this down. Are you being sarcastic or are you being serious? Not. One more outburst, I'm going to kick you out of here. Oh. Do you understand? Well, this is some B. You done? Affirmative. Okay, stop ridiculing me. So, again, we're back to the murder. 
Here's kind of what I think potentially happened. This is Phil's theory. People's kind of brush over the fact that she had scrapes and contusions on her face and torso. I think that's really important. And also the large amounts of sand found in her, you know, her mouth, her throat, her stomach. All up in there. I think that is significant. They say that it is not likely that a shark would attack her and as it's ripping off her leg, dragging her underwater when she's out there for a swim, would smash her down into go 10 feet down, 20 feet down, however deep it was, and drag her down and smash her into the sand as it's devouring her leg and eating her. And she was that far under and goes, <gasps> and breathed in all this sand. It doesn't, that doesn't seem likely to me. And a lot of the shark experts seem to think that that was not likely as well. So I kind of tend to not believe that that's what happened. I am going to go out on a limb here and say that she probably did go down to the beach. I'm thinking maybe she went down to the beach to hang out again. She was bummed that she wasn't going to the concert. Maybe she went down there to smoke a cigarette just have some private time, stare at the ocean, that kind of a thing. And I'm going to guess that she encountered somebody when she was down at the beach. Again, there's nobody down there. It's cold. Probably pretty isolated. I don't think she fell off the cliffs. I don't think that had anything to do with this because her purse was found down by the beach, by the wall. So I don't think... I'm going to... I My personal theory cancels out the sunset cliffs falling off theory. That's done. I think perhaps some dude, some shady character, came up and started talking to her. And I'm going to guess that he may have attacked her. Possibly raped her. They did not do a rape kit test on her body in the autopsy. So we don't know really anything about that. Again, this is just a theory. Perhaps that happened. And that would explain to me why her clothes were gone. If you just came out there and you wanted to kill somebody on the beach, find some unsuspecting woman, a crime of opportunity perhaps, and you just wanted to strangle them or beat them up or something, that's one thing. But the fact that she was nude and they found her trench coat was gone, her clothes were gone, leads me to believe that perhaps somebody took that as a trophy or took it somewhere and threw it away so it wouldn't be found. Again, just throwing things and ideas out here. So I think she was potentially attacked on the beach... And I think someone probably beat the crap out of her, is my guess. Going by the broken neck, broken ribs, broken pelvis, somebody could have been beating the hell out of her. I don't know if you can break someone's pelvis just by beating them up, but let's say maybe the broken ribs and the scrapes and the contusions on her face. I am going to guess that she got these scrapes on her face because this guy dragged her down to the beach right by the where the water's coming up and the waves are crashing. And I'm guessing that he's holding her by the back of her head and he's slamming her face down into the surf. Smashing her face into that sand. That would explain to me how she got the sand into her stomach. Because she's right on air, she's getting beat up. Smash her face down on the water, she's underwater and it's very shallow so... Her face can be smashed into the sand, breathe it in, right? That makes sense to me. That also explains more contusions possibly on her face. You know, getting smashed into sand, it's sharp. That explains that to me. That's how I think that happened. Possibly he drowned her. And once she was drowned, 
he just pushed her out into the ocean and she floated away in the current, pulled her out into the ocean. Then it's possible that maybe she did get hit by a boat, her corpse at this point. And that would explain the huge broken pelvis and the serious injuries, the broken neck. Maybe a boat smashed into her, really wrecked her body, which is like super unfortunate for this poor girl. And then as her body is floating, sharks and other animals started to come up and feed on her body. Possibly a shark then bit off her leg or maybe her leg came off in being hit by the boat. You know, a lot of possibilities here. Either way, this girl got absolutely wrecked. Okay, so she may have been attacked. She may have been hit by a boat or she may have been eaten by sharks. All three things totally suck, right? Like this poor girl had a really terrible end to her life. And uh, I definitely feel bad for this Michelle Von Emster, but it is an incredibly intriguing mystery as to what happened to her. And nobody really seems to know. That was my theory of what happened to her. Who knows? Well, your theory sucks. Yeah? Well, you suck. What? Not even acknowledging you anymore. Officially, the case is closed, and the case of Michelle Von Emster's death remains a mystery guys what do you think happened if you have an idea send me an email at filminterrupted at gmail.com huh. tell me what you think very very suspicious that's gonna do it here for uh, myself and smash oh yeah baby I really don't have the words anymore for how annoying you are take it I really can't what? Exactly. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. What? We're making moves here on Film Interrupted. What? And we will catch you next time, guys. What? So annoying. Peace out! What? The contents in the purse were as follows. There was her driver's license, some keys pack of cigarettes, a paste stub, and a few items of makeup. Inside was also a fanny pack. 1994, 1994. Alert. Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Alert.